You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Mint Primer. I am Alicia Sachdev, assistant editor with Mint where I track the auto sector, and in today's episode I am speaking to Martin Ularik. He's the head of design at Tata Motors and we're discussing some very interesting things. things that are relevant to you and me as buyers and users of cars and to design enthusiasts as well because we are going to talk about how aspects of safety are integrated when it comes to car design so of course when we think of design the first things we're thinking about are usually something like it determines how a car looks and feels on the inside and the outside but design really goes so much more beyond it does form the foundation for a lot of the functional and structural elements that determine how safe a vehicle is going to be so there are multiple things we'll get into in this conversation active safety passive safety safety when it comes to designing electric vehicles the experience of electric vehicles how technologies like autonomous driving bring with it new questions around safety and how a company like Tata Motors which of course is now known for vehicles rated 5 stars for safety balance considerations of an affordable price point and safety when it comes to design so if you're curious we have a very interesting conversation coming right up let's get into it So Martin thank you for joining in this very special episode of the Mint Primer. I'm quite fascinated by the subject we're discussing today and I'm looking forward to a lot of learning. Mm. So let's begin. Like now there's a whole new wave of customers in the market right who look at a vehicle's safety ratings and in fact increasingly way more than they even look at aspects of mileage, style, uh the tech in cars and even price. And of course if they manage to get all of it together in a five star rated product that's the sort of uh vehicle that works. But it's clear that safety is a priority. It's non-negotiable for a lot of customers in the market at this point in time. And most of your products at Tata Motors of course have the distinction of performing exceedingly well in crash tests and some products have started to you know really started to take off in the market uh, only after they achieved a five star rating in the GN gap. So let me start there. Help me understand the thinking with respect to safety at Tata Motors when you design any new model. Is that a central consideration in your process? Safety for occupants and pedestrians, and between engineering and design, what's the role? Uh, what's the sort of role each department plays in ensuring that you're building a safe vehicle? Yeah, so it's true. I mean, uh, you know, we're seen as a leader in the Indian market in terms of safety. Our uh, our ratings are the highest in the industry. it's become a core pillar of our brand uh and it comes back to putting the customers first so we always say that we have very human centric design and human centric can mean many things and first and foremost is the safety and well-being of our of our customers mm-hmm. i mean it's become a cultural pillar in the company so for instance like you know we consider like the safety of our employees on site so we it's become kind of the ethos of how we operate and then of course we extend that to to the customers and then in terms of how does it work from a design department and all the other department functions i mean we have to work together when we're developing a product um design and engineering and also product planning have to uh, obviously work together uh it's a collective exercise mm-hmm. to to develop a competitive product and and there are a lot of um I would say I I wouldn't call them restraints but uh sort of hard points that you have to respect. So oh. we always aspire to having the the highest possible safety rating on our products, you know, whether it's passive safety or not. Oh. For instance, in the design of a vehicle, uh if you think about pedestrian impact, I mean that will influence the proportions of the vehicle. You know, the or the nose of the car has to have a certain parameter. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a of uh, structures that are below the surface that uh, you know the average customer doesn't realize and it considers everything from you know impact of a vehicle for the interior passengers to the impact of the vehicle on you know potentially uh, external person 
and uh, how you can mitigate uh, that damage. All of those things, you know, can have an influence on the overall proportion, on the overall feel of the vehicle. The same with the interior. If you're designing uh, now, you know, before you used to have an airbag only in the steering wheel and on the passenger side, but now we're going into a multi-airbag vehicle. Mm -hmm. That influences, you know, the packaging of the vehicle, the surfacing and, and everything like that. So it's it's just a part of the development of a of a product. So the designers have to be well versed in all of the the current technology and also going forward, you know, seeing what new technologies we can bring in that can even lower the the potential risk to anybody. Interesting. But let me go back to the basics here for just a bit. Uh, at Tata Motors, of course, now you have benchmarks that you've set, right? That you need to be able to achieve a certain level of safety and it needs to get, you know, that coveted five-star rating. And then that's what the customers have come to expect from your products now. But uh, let's break it down to the basics first. What do you mean by active and passive safety elements in automotive design. And you mentioned one example, you know, the exterior proportions are impacted to ensure uh, pedestrian safety. What are some of the other things, you know, that go into uh, ensuring, uh, you know, these elements are put in place? All right. So when you're looking at active safety, you're looking at fundamentally uh, systems that help the driver. So it could be like anti-lock brakes. It could be electronic stability. Mm -hmm. And things like lane departure warnings, you know, we've seen that recently, you know, where, you know, if you sort of deviate a little bit, uh, you know, across the line, um, the sensors around the car will, will, you know, give you a warning, Mm -hmm. a sound warning. And sometimes, you know, now they they give you a bit of a toggle on the steering wheel just to remind you physically that, you know, you might be, you know, drifting. That's the first first level of active safety. Going forward, you know, we're going to go into, uh, you know, drowsiness attention sensors, uh, tire pressure sensors. But then, you know, as we're developing software and the technology, you know, ADAS will will eventually lead to, you know, almost a 360 degree awareness of the vehicle. Sure. That is in many ways the runway down the road, you know, in, in I don't know, X amount of years to autonomous driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, those systems will actually, you know, enable that. But it's a, it's a processing uh, challenge. When you're talking about passive safety, those are the traditional things we know about, you know, airbags, seat belts. And uh, what I would call the deformation zones, which is the stuff I talked about on the nose of the car. You know, if, uh, you know, a a car has an impact, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what is the, you know, crumple zone of the vehicle that mitigates the impact on the interior passengers? So so in many ways, um, passive is, you know, the sort of the systems we know. Active is the one that's, you know, constantly analyzing uh, data uh, as, as you're in movement. So it's very interesting, you know, particularly with respect to the active safety features. Uh, don't a lot of these features also need a good amount of uh, road infrastructure to also work effectively? And specific to a country like India, where we have, let's just say, less than, you know, ideal road markings or road infrastructure. Does this like pose an additional challenge when you think about features like this and how successful they're likely to be? Yes. Uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, the vehicle A is either working on its own in isolation, you know, with sensors, radars, cameras, GPS and lasers mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, any technology like that. And it's constantly analyzing the, the landscape, you know, that it's navigating. And as you said, you know, the infrastructure is the second element, you know, like line markings and uh, and so forth. To be honest, I mean, India is in the process of... Um, a huge boom mm-hmm. and a lot of investment in infrastructure. So in many ways, it has the opportunity to, in many ways, leapfrog many, many markets as it's going to build up its infrastructure and implement actually the new technology already in place. So I'm always an optimist and I always see everything as an opportunity. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. If we're choosing to look at it like that, fair enough. Um Let's also bring in the design element now into safety, right? And the element of styling. So while mm. on the one hand, the expectation is that, you know, Tata Motors is going to have safe vehicles, what's also made them really popular, you know, starting with the, you know, Tiago perhaps and all the vehicles that have come after and have embodied mm-hmm. a new design language is the fact that they are really stylish, right? They look good mm. uh, and people, uh, you know, buy into that. It's got a certain aspirational styling to it. 
and it works for the different customers that it targets. Mm. So how do you achieve that balance? You know, that uh, you're on the one hand trying to build a very safe vehicle, but it also needs to look very stylish. Mm. So what are the challenges that come up, you know, when you have to sort of marry these two things together? To be honest, they come very naturally. Um, yes, we have to work with this with this technology. And the role of a designer is twofold. One is when you're talking about design, um, you're talking about how you interface with the vehicle. So our design department is very involved in the establishment of the product. So it could be everything from the uh, platform development to the ergonomics. You know, we have yeah. we create, uh, um, I would say, seating bucks where, you know, we, we constantly game uh, how the customer is using the vehicle, how you get in and out of it, where are the reach zones, where are all the toggle switches. Um, how you how you interface with the product, and it could be everything from a physical interface to the digital interface. So that's one role of the designer. And the second role of the designer is the stylist part. You know, our aspiration is to make the cars attractive, beautiful, timeless. Um, so the customer it puts a smile on the customer's face. They immediately are attracted to the product when they see it on the road, when they see it in the showroom. And at the same time, they're constantly in love. You know, it's that three, five second moment you fall in love, but you also want to maintain uh, them to have that relationship. Mm -hmm. So those are the two roles that the designer has. In fact, the technology has always historically been the catalyst for progress. So... So once you're designing a vehicle or a product around advanced technology, I always think that the aesthetic will come naturally. So our products are obviously attractive. We've seen that with the, the response from the customers, but they also they reflect the fact that they are uh, advanced. They are a platform for advanced technology. So for me, the aesthetic and the technology are merry naturally hand in hand. Interesting. So it doesn't present a conflict. It only helps each other is what you say. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's this all, all this old argument. If you look at an airplane, an airplane is not styled. It's it's designed from an engineering, pure functionality point of view to get people from A to B right. uh, as safely as possible and as efficiently as possible. But yet they are absolutely beautiful products. That is true. That is true. You know, they have an elegance and a natural, the same thing with a sailboat or the, there's a lot of examples where I guess Mother Nature creates hmm. beauty just by virtue of, you know, I would say rational common sense. So so if, if designers and engineers are, are aspiring to the highest target, I think that the product will naturally become beautiful. <laughs> That's actually uh, superbly put. And it makes sense the moment you say that, you know, because if something is ultra functional, like in the case of planes, right, mm. it also ends up looking as beautiful. And perhaps if something is not right about, you know, the way it functions mm. or, or the way it looks, then it's probably affecting the other thing, too. I'm a great believer in the design philosophy of, you know, form follows function mm. and uh, also of editing, you know, as many things out as possible. So the simpler, the better, the purer, the better. And then it gets a certain simple elegance to itself. Interesting. So I'm, again, fascinated by the point you mentioned about editing out things. And uh, especially with EVs now coming up, it looks like, you know, what we see is a lot more yes. simpler, refined, just cleaner looking, more spacious. And that, of course, you get by virtue of, you know, born electric platforms. But is that just being driven by, you know, how the platforms are built with EVs? Or is it, do you see that there is a preference also now in the market that, you know, that vehicles should look decluttered, you know, that there should be frills, but it shouldn't be, you know, overwhelming you just in terms of the distractions you have in front of you? How does that look like to you? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, there is a simplification. I mean, we're definitely, um, you know, subscribing to that philosophy. I mean, whether it's when you see the Sierra that we're going to be mm. launching or yeah. the Avenia project, I mean, they are very much exercises in discipline. And uh, I personally think, you know, um, you want to make the message as clear as possible to the customer. And there's a lot of, I think we have a lot of white noise in our lives. 
And uh, people are looking for solutions to make things easier and simpler. So I think if the product communicates itself as simple as possible, but at the same time, not at the cost of uh, being uh, boring uh-huh. or cheap, <laughs> you know, it, it, that, that's a real challenge. You know, if you're minimizing things, people will go, well, I'm not getting my the value for money. You know, I want a little bit of entertainment or I want a little bit of, you know, visual candy. That's a kind of a very fine line between, you know, crossing it and it becomes too frugal. Hmm. Um, But I definitely think that the customers are looking for simplicity. It's like, you know, one of the elements that we design is the interface, the UX, UI of how you work, you know, the vehicle, the screens and, you know, your infotainment and so forth. It's like our you know, devices, our, our phones that we hold in our pockets. You know, you wanted everything to be as intuitive as possible, everything to be as, as, uh, as simple as possible. You, nobody wants to read an owner's manual. So naturally, when you see a product, you know, whether it's a, a car or a consumer electronic device or, or any sort of uh, experience, you want it to be as natural as possible, as enjoyable as possible. So, so the styling of the vehicle has to communicate that as well. But it is a challenge, definitely, like I said, without crossing the line to becoming boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And, and I know this is a bit of a segue to the discussion we were having, but it's, it's too interesting to not you know, give it its due time. So when you say you don't, you wouldn't want, you know, somebody to be digging out for a manual to know how, you know, the HMI is really working. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there's the level of digitalization that we're going to see in EVs, everything, you know, being operated mm-hmm. through some sort of a, you know, digital display. Don't you think it would also perhaps alienate a few people who are not very versed with just screens, uh, you know, and are only about coming from this, you know, fairly analog, you know, sort of an IC vehicle, you know, era into um, EVs. Doesn't that at some point also complicate things a bit more? You don't have buttons for anything. You know, you have to to sort of go through menus to find, you know, basic functions. How do you also solve for that? Oh, I mean, it's, it's definitely a challenge and something that we always have to consider. You know, not everybody is a digital native. Right. That goes across age groups and demographics as well. And uh, some people, you know, are already, you could say, behind the curve in terms of the development of, of, you know, digital technologies interface and, you know, are put off or intimidated by by new technology. So so that's one of the challenges that, you know, we have to make things as easy as possible, you know, not so uh, controversial or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, scary. So, you know, we always have to find the right balance. So, you know, yes, we are migrating to, you know, some screens, but in some of our vehicles, we're even going beyond the screen technology to looking at other interfaces like voice. Mm-hmm. And and we always have a certain amount of physical uh, interface, you know, on our systems. So this would, of course, include the, you know, Avinya and the Sierra and all the, you know, Bonnie EVs that you'd have coming up. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so the Sierra is, you know, a sort of, um, you know, it will be offered in both EV and ICE, right. and it's a very understandable product. I think that's that one's fairly straightforward. Uh, Avenia is a far more, I would say, you know, progressive and uh, advanced product because it's a pure EV. It's a Gen three product, right? And uh, and we are really looking at uh, sort of the next leap in terms of you know how we're going to design a vehicle with that that design. And uh, definitely you can see that it's very minimalist. We're, we're starting to look at voice, uh, actually cool. decontenting the screen experience. There are cool. screens in the vehicle, but they're completely secondary. They're there fundamentally for information. And that's, I think, an interesting aspect. You know, there, there's a feeling like, you know, that screens need to be front and center because it's kind cool. of like, I'm paying for that. How big can I get my iPad? <laughs> right, you know, right. You know, Absolutely. That sort of yep. thing. But I think, you know, there's a sort of a post-screen, post-modern uh, a movement coming, which will be that you have the technology, but it's actually quite uh, hidden and it's quite mm. intuitive in your, in your life. You know, so that information is all there, but it's just much more blended into your, into your life. Right. And I think particularly for cars, because you're going to be driving that vehicle and you'll need to be looking at the road a lot more than, you know, screens. So the more inconspicuous they are, I think yeah, and, and the other thing is we're, we're we're seeing the vehicle is almost a sanctuary that it's a it's a place where you can passively in the vehicle you can be engaging in it as mm-hmm. a driver you could be parked in the vehicle and it can be a space 
Right. So we're designing more like a, a, a room in your home rather than a, the traditional it's a vehicle approach. Interesting. I can't wait to uh, see more uh, in due course of time. <laughs> uh, but let me get back to, again, you know, designing for safety. Mm -hmm. And uh, at Tata Motors, you have products across the, you know, across body styles. Uh, so when you, uh, you know, again, consider elements of safety, uh, is it also impacted by the segment you're going to be, uh, you know, styling and designing for? Uh, you know, it goes from a small hatch to, you know, vehicle as uh, big as the hat here. I'm not going to talk about the safety ratings with that product, but you do have other uh, bigger products that you, you know, also I mean, have in the market. So does that also, you know, play an influence? Well, I mean, price, the price point in the segment right. always has, a, has an influence. I mean, we should be looking at a no compromise safety rating, but it's very challenging to design. You know, mm. the systems are expensive. And, you know, designing a small product uh, or a more affordable product with those safeties, uh, you know, targets is much more challenging because ultimately you need to sacrifice something else for the sake of, you know, meeting your safety rate, mm -hmm. you know, so to keep the price competitive, that's a, it's a big challenge, you know, and it's not just for us, for any any uh, company that wants to play in this segment. Um and in terms of our portfolio, I mean, obviously, they're reflections of when the products were launched. Right. So, you know, the most recent product will probably be the most uh, capable and competitive. And, you know, our older products, you know, are a reflection of where we were at the time, especially the market. Mm -hmm. So, but it definitely is a challenge. You know, if we're designing a small car, how do you how do you meet the same safety star rating and, and targets as a as a more expensive car? Where do you make the cost sacrifice, you know, to keep the product mm. uh, Price competitive, so if that's the balancing act. We're always in the we're always in discussions and forums internally. You know, kind of you know prioritizing you know where where our focus should be. Right, but in a market like India, of course, uh, you know the customer does want everything, and they know it comes at a price, and they're perhaps willing to pay that price, but only so much, right? That's right. That's right. So let's look at the Tata Punch, for instance, uh, which is a five-star rated product. Mm. Even the, you know, Altros, Nexon, they're all competitively priced products, but they do have, uh, you know, the highest safety rating as well. So what are some of the trade-offs that you have had to sort of consider with these products and going forward when you make, you know, an affordable product or a new, uh, you know, model line, you know, with EVs that's going to be at an affordable price point? What would typically be the things that you would have to contend keeping or losing, you know, in order to, you know, still keep that safety rating? Well, we always give ourselves with every product development, we give ourselves a, uh, a target. We have already identified, you know, the market, the segment, the demographic. You know, it's very analytical in terms of, you know, where this product will be playing, you know, what, what field it will be playing in. So we have a very good idea of, you know, the sort of price bandwidth that the product will be, you know, in. And then, you know, obviously you have to use the, the base price as your target. And so as we're developing, you know, we cost everything on the product and we have to work with our supplier partners and, uh, you know, try to squeeze every every last, uh, you know, penny or rupee out of, uh, mm -hmm. out of the vehicle. And, uh, you know, if we are targeting a five-star rating, you know, which is almost a non-negotiable element in our, our brand, then okay. it's like, okay, where, where do we make up the difference? So our, we have regular meetings, you know, on every product line development where we are going through a cost uh, sort of uh, challenge. You know, everywhere where you can find something. And uh, for instance, you know, a small car, let's be honest. I mean, a small car uh, interior yeah. usually has hard plastics, right. uh, um, has much less trim, mm. uh, you know, soft trim. Those are the visual, you know, sort of uh, obvious areas where mm. you, know, you see the difference between a small car and a medium segment vehicle or, or a premium vehicle where, you know, the customer can visually see the difference between like, okay, you know, this is, you know, a more cost-effective, uh, you know, interior, for instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in the bigger picture, if you do the sum at the end, uh, the customer still sees the value that they're getting the five-star rating. Interesting. But um, the other trend that's also, you know, that one sees in the market is even with smaller cars across uh, segments, really, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but customers do tend to prefer trims at the very top end right oh yeah so again more you know they, they want the features 
uh, more value and all of that. So in that case, are they, are they okay with the compromise? You know, I mean, they can live perhaps with the hard plastics, but they would still want that element of, oh, of course. luxury even in a small car. So how do you achieve that? Yeah, everybody wants everything. So like I said, we're looking at it, you know, from every angle. And many times, you know, we find the cost in what I would call the hidden cost. It's something that, you know, isn't visual and it isn't uh, hmm. tangible to the customer. But it could be, you know, the materials used, you know, the, in, the, in, the, in the development of a seat, mm-hmm. you know, the foam is something that the customer doesn't really care about as long as it's comfortable. But they do care about the fabric on the seat. You know, that's the thing mm-hmm. that they can touch and see. So in many ways, you know, we'll, we'll go, OK, let's see if we can find a more cost effective uh, route with the foaming of the seat or the structure of the seat. But at the same time, without compromising comfort or safety or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's in many ways more of an engineering exercise, and it's an exercise that, you know, our purchasing department does, you know, with, again, our supplier partners and so forth. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we're always mindful of the fact that everybody wants everything, but, you know, you can't have it for free. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but you do manage to offer it at very compelling price points. That's right. Um, so, so it's the hidden cost that you sort of try to, you know, identify and lose yeah. wherever you can. Look, we're designing a product. Uh, we want the products to be attractive and successful and, and viable in the market. And that's the key. Mm. You know, we're not designing just a dream, but actually a, a right. actual, you know, a producible, feasible, cost-effective, you know, and cost-effective, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm designing a, uh, you know, an affordable product or a luxury product. You know, there's mm-hmm. always a business case be- behind every uh, every industrial product you know it doesn't matter if i'm designing a chair or a car or uh, or a house for that matter right right so again this could be a bit of a you know naive question to ask but mm. notionally then you know of course you know one things that you know a larger luxury vehicle has to be much much safer you know than a smaller product on the road uh, but given that you know the smaller product also ends up achieving you know the highest safety rating possible, mm. how true is that really, or or is that always the blanket reality? You know that it's of course far easier to design you know a vehicle with, where you have some you know room to price it higher. That's you know in the luxury, premium, larger you know vehicle segments. These are the smaller ones. So are bigger, luxurious cars always safer than smaller ones? No, they aren't. They they all have to be equal. They have to be seen as equal. The reality is that the the larger, more premium luxury cars will just have, you know, more, uh, mm. say, you know, material, visual elements that, you know, you know, ju- not, I don't want to say justify the cost, but uh, but give you that luxury premium experience. But right. but the thing is, you know, every product we design has to have. It's almost like the price of admission. You know, has to have the same safety. Mm. You know, so. You, it's only reflected in the the overall value of the vehicle, you know. So you could have, uh, you know, a, a car that's priced at let's say a tenth or you know a twentieth of what a luxury vehicle could be, but be as safe. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. That's, that's, that's the objective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me move on to the future now a little bit. Uh, You already touched upon, you know, autonomous driving and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how things like AI would play a role. Uh, But but elaborate that a little bit more. How far away are we from, you know, transitioning to, you know, a, a time when, you know, autonomous driving would be a reality? And again, in the context of India, I think, you know, there are more problems, you know, than in other parts of the world, perhaps to solve for. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have an exact time frame. I mean, I know that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, most, I would say, mobility companies are looking at this, developing it. There's obviously a lot of uh, other companies that are looking at these systems. It's all about computational power right. to, you know, you know, assess your situation in real time and, uh, and be able to react to it. Um, I would say realistically, I mean, it's a round number, but, you know, 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would say a decade uh, where we get into that, that, you know, area, everything still is experimental at this stage or in development. Right. And all, and there, a big factor will also be accountability, you know, uh, when we get into it. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that there's a role where, uh, you know, uh, legislation and, uh, you know, uh, 
I would say basically government parameters will also be, play a large part into it in terms of yeah. accountability, accountability. If there is an accident, who is who is accountable for it? Is it right. if you're not driving it? Is it the vehicle? Is it the manufacturer? Is it the circumstance of the situation? So, you know, even just from an insurance point of view, there's a lot of questions that need yeah. to be answered before we get there. It's not just the technology. So it's it's an it's an ecosystem, you know, in terms yeah. of society. Yeah. Uh, and of course, confidence, you know, in the product uh, from a customer point of view, you know, are are you ready to let go? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's going to be a big, big shift and a big jump. And then it's also, you know, in terms of the design of the product, once you're not, you know, engaged uh, right. in the row, in the in the trip, uh, what are you doing there and how are you Got going it. to be um, seated? How are you going to be positioned? I guess it's like, you know, we all get on airplanes and trains uh-huh. and we're not, we're not, you know, we're not the conductor or the pilot. And we seem uh-huh. to be fairly comfortable, uh, you know, or confident that uh, we're going to get there. I think it's a bit of a leap of faith, you know, in terms of just that personal confidence, you know, that uh, it's, a, it's hmm. going to be a definite shift. So, but I would say a decade away, plus or minus, you know, a couple of years. So. It's going to be a big revolution in the development of the automobile or mobility, as you would call it. You know, it's, right. it's probably as big as, you know, when we went from, you know, horse pulled carriages. Oh, yeah. To, <laughs> you know, basically independently powered vehicles. I think it's basically that sort of a, a shift, you know, in the in the development of mobility. Well, absolutely. And when you do have a, you know, fully self-driving vehicle, it does make a lot of the other elements, you know, that are that are needed when you are, you know, physically driving it redundant, right? You just don't need a lot of that tech anymore. That's right. So how do you, uh, again, and you and you said, how do you sort of engage the passenger? I don't know what to say. I mean, will there anyone even be in the driver's seat anymore just to, you know, sit in front of a fairly redundant steering wheel, right? So how do you think of these elements that are so far and perhaps for some time would continue to be thought of as fairly core to any, you know, passenger vehicle? Yeah, so I think what I think changes? I'm sure there's going to be some sort of transition uh, when you think about it, um, even even with aircraft, you know, when you had automatic pilot uh, mm-hmm. as technology, you know, we know that a plane can actually, you know, do the whole trip nowadays, you yeah. know, uh, even take off and landing. But we still have a pilot and a co-pilot, you know, in the cockpit and they do have a, a joystick and they have the override so if something goes mm. wrong on the, on mm. you know the the autopilot systems you know you do have that physical override so i would i would expect that the automobile will will follow that 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 line of thought that even if it's a you know a passive mm. system you know where you're just the passenger uh at the same time there is some sort of you know in the in the situation you can take control mm. so you know there still is a kind of driver's seat you know, there still has to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, but long term, you know, uh, you know, with you know, we've seen with drone technology, you know, we, we get to the point where there's a pilotless aircraft. Right. Uh, so, you know, maybe in 20 years, you know, we're looking at vehicles mm-hmm. which don't even have what I would call the traditional driver's seat, you know, where, which is mm-hmm. literally it's just passengers in a cockpit. Uh, you know, everybody's a, you know, on the on the journey with the vehicle and mm-hmm. the vehicle has full, full control. But I think there's a natural sort of evolution that we we go through. But this is really like, you know, futuring, I would say, the next 10, 20, 30 years of the development of mobility. So if you look at, you know, how technology has advanced over the last 20 years, you look back at, you know, when we were children, what the what the journey was like with our parents. And then if you just Mm -hmm. sort of think like, wow, that's been a lot of progress. And then you just extrapolate that going into the future. And you think with the belt curve of uh, of technical development, you can imagine like in 20, if I look back 20 years and I look forward 20 years, I think looking hmm. forward 20 years will be actually looking forward 40 years That's <laughs> based right. on the, the yeah. curve of development. Right. Absolutely. But taking a slightly shorter term view, let's talk about, let's say the next three to five years mm-hmm. or perhaps leading up to 10 years. What do you see would be the technologies driving uh, you know, this transition towards, you know, uh, you know, self-driving and of course, all the regulation aside, because that is a perhaps the biggest piece that will also need to be figured out. 
but just in terms of the refinements we're already seeing in technology what is likely to you know become more and more mainstream as we go on you know adas we're seeing come up in a lot of passenger vehicles and also at fairly accessible price points as well mm. um mm. so so how does that evolve from here on well i'm sitting in um in my office in the, in one of our redesign studios and i actually uh-huh. see i actually see all the products for the next 3 to 5 years out of my window and okay please and, walk me through all of that no, <laughs> i think the next 5 minutes are yours specific but uh, but i'm i'm sure you know a couple of them what we've shown at auto expo mm-hmm. um but yes you're right i mean there are you know the obvious things you know in terms of um you know safety which we're looking at which are radars and cameras and and GPS and sensors so ADAS is a big part of it and you know we're already designing around those parameters you know uh with the Avinia you know we're looking at you know like the ADAS systems and uh you know those are what we call hard points you know where are the cameras and the sensors located and they do have an influence on the on the overall uh, design of the vehicle the proportions where the surfaces are you know the mirror now is 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 huge you know we've been discussing that the the actual you know side mirror on the vehicle it has a number of cameras looking forward rearward sideways it it hmm. creates quite a heavy looking um volume and at the same time we're being challenged with aerodynamics to make it as slim as possible so that's one of the you know areas you know i can i can openly talk about that is a challenge mm-hmm. for designers it's just a microcosm of of the overall mm-hmm. challenge that all of our designers have um you know in terms of implementing you know all of this technology whether it's for india or international markets mm-hmm. right but then these are products you know that you're going to have coming up then there are also products in the market i mean existing uh you know portfolios that you also have to keep modernizing as you go along so we have um i think we're quite we're quite successful at you know maintaining our our product life cycle so you know we have a, a number of models that are already on the road but we have a number of of interventions and a number of upgrades you know uh both from a technical point of view from a design styling point of view from mm-hmm. a color palette point of view materials point of view technology point of view that are we have like a roadmap in terms of like making them not only competitive but actually uh, leaders in their segment so so every single model that we have in our portfolio has got a roadmap in terms of you know maintaining their competitive edge mm-hmm. and when it comes to you know benchmarking for safety mm. and naturally you know every progressive i mean every new product that you have would perhaps have you know more of these yeah, safety yeah. features than its predecessors so going forward what becomes part of the standard package you know that these are features or that we are uh, you know going to have in you know each tata motors product just because you know the time has come you know for it and it can be achieved at a certain price point and frankly it's just you know not a compromise that customers should make anymore so what would those things be to you to your mind yeah like i said uh, in terms of like five star has to be our almost our price of entry with our products you know multi, multi airbag systems like i said the the deformation zone um and then in terms of active um you know whether it's like you know whatever le- level of adas we're looking at uh but you know autonomous emergency braking and mm-hmm. uh you know lane departure and things like that i mean those are all um, anti lock brakes i mean that's a pretty standard uh yeah. you know technology yeah. now and same with electronic stability i remember when those you know appeared on my dash and you know mm-hmm. it's like okay you know electronic stability control or even abs mm. when you do hit a patch of ice and you hit the brakes and it does a sort of like you know staggering you know braking i mean a, a professional mm-hmm. driver you know somebody who's i would say very capable will know that they should be pumping the brakes you don't hit the brakes just once you know you should be basically mm. constantly hitting it now obviously those systems do it for you and do it even more rapid oh. to make it more effective but i remember you know the first time i experienced that driving uh i think my first car which had those systems and uh getting into some sort of situation where i was a little bit like oh this is this is something i have to get used to so mm-hmm. um so definitely there's a number of tech, you know these things that are just you know basic it doesn't matter which segment we're in you know have to be sure. have to be in the vehicle there's that's just mm-hmm. the reality our customers will not accept anything less 
and when you move on to electric vehicles does that uh, you know set of uh, you know equipment or parameters just level up i mean is there more that you expect from an ev whether it's safety whether it's features that you know it's just got to be a richer uh, experience and and then what gets added to that yeah it's interesting that you use the word experience because driving an electric vehicle is very much a unique experience you know it's it's far because yeah, you're not doing much driving right <laughs> you know it's 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 just you know obviously it doesn't have the classical engagements you know which is you know sort of right. a mechanical interface you know if you think about an ice vehicle you usually think about a manual shifter you think about you know the the, mm. the noise the smell there's a real sensory experience that comes around a mechanical vehicle and then when you go to an electron electric vehicle which is very much now a electronic platform device in many ways it's a digital product rather than a a mechanical or analog product um it's very different and it's actually quite quite relaxing quite soothing uh quite reassuring but it's very different emotionally and so you have to mm. compensate with that you know i guess engagement that that sort of you know with something different how do you make that experience pleasurable uh so that's one of the definitely areas where uh, our design teams are looking around because everything in our portfolio going forward you know has uh, ev you know side to it so in many ways our entire portfolio is ev going forward and um and yeah it's a very different experience um so it's it's how do we keep the the customer engaged interested and obviously uh, you know safe right and to that point of safety because you know when you drive an ev you just have a lesser sense of being in control let, let me put it that way all uh, right then you have when you are driving an ice uh, mm. vehicle you know when you're all constantly you know you're engaging with the gear shift uh, that's right so here and because the vehicle is so quiet it's almost in many ways just driving itself you could perhaps just uh, disengage at one point and that could pose safety risks right and just because of how you know uh, you know instant the acceleration is you know you you know you might end up overdoing it so often overturning and all of you know those things could happen right before you realize it so how do you then factor that additional element of you know all of these possibilities and introduce uh, you know additional safety layers yeah i think it's a very good point that you raised that you know people are less engaged for lack of a better word you know when they're driving an ev because you know yeah. you don't have the manual gear shift you feel like it's a much smoother ride because you don't have the the gear changing so it's a kind of you know just gradual curve of you know acceleration deceleration and, and nothing's revving you know underneath the floor so you don't know yeah yeah and it it's you know it's it's fundamentally silent so it is you know it's very relaxing and it could you know uh cause concern that you know you're maybe too relaxed <laughs> so so it's up to right. us to design the systems that you know whether it's the warning systems there's there's a whole design element now with the soundscape of a vehicle you know we actually mm-hmm. have a sound designer who's who's looking at you know all of the audio experience because if you have a silent vehicle how do you make sure that you know the person is actually aware of what's going on even if they're 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 driving it but they're you know it's like you said it's a less engaging experience so so it's up to us to make sure that you know all of the warning all of the sound uh, is all of there uh so so you maintain that uh, that engagement with with the with the user how do you do that more specifically how does it actually translate you know in your design process and you know with a vehicle that we see on the road what would that look like Well, I mean, it's it's fundamental. It's it, you know, it's it's how you interface with the product. So we're constantly like reviewing. You know, like I said, you know, traditionally, you know, how do you sit in the vehicle? You know, what is your posture? How do you get in and out? Ergonomics, reach zones, and all that. Hmm. But then, you know, our our UX UI department is is focused on how you interface with the vehicle. It could be with the screen. It could be with the sound. Uh, you know, an audio system. You know, voice controlled uh, system. um and then it's also how do you get the information it's not just how you input the information to the product but how does the product input the information to you so right. that's actually a, a dis- discipline now in in design and it's actually a growing discipline where people are actually studying this in universities and colleges so it's a specialized field i mean i studied industrial design which is a 
before I studied automotive design, I studied industrial design, which is product design, mm-hmm. furniture design. But, you know, design has many fields in it. So, you know, you can be a graphic designer. You can be now a UX, UI designer. And UI is really like user interface. And uh, and that is not just, you know, designing the graphics of the screen. That is actually how yeah. you map out the entire experience. And like I said, it's, it's, it's a two-way communication. It's you communicating with the product, but the product communicating with you. And, uh, and that, that, like I said, that audio experience, and it could be even sensory, you know, the steering wheel has a bit of a wobble or a toggle mm. or the brake mm. or, you know, anywhere where you have a physical touch with the vehicle, there could be a way to communicate, and then there's visual, and and then there's audio. So there's a number of areas, and like I said, we have dedicated people in our studios who are are focused on this, and it's a fascinating you know area. Mm-hmm. Or, or even tactical, right? Uh, currently, you don't see a lot of that. In fact, mm. you know, uh, and I, you know, admittedly have not driven a lot of born EVs, but whatever I have, it's very true. You know, it is uh, uh, menacingly quiet in the sense you just you you you're seeking some sort of feedback. <laughs> uh, you know, that could come in any form, but. How does that, so is it important to then build in, you know, those, uh, you know, artificial ways to give the driver feedback, you know, that you're yes. still on and how how is that done? I mean, you know, you mentioned visual audio, but, but is, is there ways to do it tactically as well? And is it important to do it? It is, it is. Um, I think, you know, there are a number of, of technologies, you know, which you can engage, you know, which have that tactical, you know, sensory uh, feedback. You know, and we're also looking at uh, augmented reality, for instance, uh, Hmm. you know, in the vehicle as potentially a way. So, you know, you have traditionally like an A pillar, Hmm. you know, there's a structure in the vehicle. But imagine that actually you have the technology that will give you the opportunity to almost like see through that. Hmm. Uh, So you see, you know, maybe the blind spot uh, if there's a cyclist or a pedestrian or, you know, a dog (laughs) or, or, you know, anything, a truck. So there's a number of new technologies. And in fact, you know, nowadays with the development of technology, you know, it's a real challenge for 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 us to just keep pace with all of it, to digest it, yeah. analyze it, uh, and and make the decisions uh, of which one is the right one that will actually help our product and our customers. It's quite amazing, you know, the development of of how technology is accelerated now. Right. And I think you brought up AR. I think in some vehicles, you already do see that, you know, in live maps, a lot of that is getting introduced in, you know, some ways already. But uh, what about the Avinya? Do we we see some of these features, uh, you know, translate to that platform and product as well, like AR as standard and things like that? Well, I don't want to be specific, but I would say that we're reviewing (laughs) everything. You know, we'll we'll unveil the, the production car in due course. And uh, and I'm pretty positive people will not be disappointed. It'll be exactly what we promised, you know, when we showed mm-hmm. it at Auto Expo and it's at its premiere. And in terms of the technology, it'll definitely be you know a, a leader, you know, in the in the industry in the segment. So so mm-hmm. I'm not going to give away any specifics in terms of like you know you know what technology and what what's what grade it will have or anything like that. But uh, but trust me, it'll be it'll be not only competitive, but it'll be very much a industry benchmark. Okay, but but we do start seeing glimpses of that, you know, in the curve and oh yes. uh, the other products, right? So maybe that you can be a bit more specific about. Um, <laughs> the curve is pretty straightforward. I mean, uh, um, like I said, mm-hmm. when we unveil it. It will will also outline all of the the specific details of what the car has to offer. Okay. Okay. So just to sort of wrap things up and bring it back to, you know, Tata Motors specifically, can you speak to any, let's say, collaborations that are in the pipeline or you're exploring currently when it comes to, uh, you know, safety and adapting it to these advanced technologies later on that, you know, that that Tata Motors is currently on? I mean, in terms of collaborations, I mean, uh, I mean, we have a number of, I guess, uh, partners that we work with. Some of them uh, are known. Some of them are, you know, I would say like, you know, private development, you know, like that we work together, but it's a more discreet, uh, you know, collaboration. And 
So I can't say. So you can tell us the not discreet ones. Well, I mean, uh, that's more of something I would I would leave to my engineering calling. You can do a podcast with, with my <laughs> head of engineering. I think he'll be much more versed in terms of you know you know you know the specifics of that. But um, but yeah, in terms of like, of course, you know, we we develop a lot of things ourselves internally. So you know, we have um, you know engineers in three locations. You know, and of course, we leverage the group hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, number of our, our sister companies, if you want to call them. that, Right. Uh, yeah. um, uh, you know, and some of them are automotive and some of them are non-automotive. You know, so there's a lot of, hmm. of, of power in the group, you know, hmm. work collectively. And um, and at the same time, um, yeah, of course, you know, some of the technologies we develop ourselves in-house and some of it, you know, we we look at, you know, uh, people who are experts in it, and we can we can work collaboratively. That just goes without saying. And like I said, we're in the right. we're in a very fortunate position. I mean, our company is is very unique in the sense that we are part of the Tata Group, and uh, it's a very impressive portfolio of companies across across the world. You know, in in different spheres, and you never know where one of them, you know, can uh, can be can give you a better insight into into you know if we're talking safety for instance you know so so but but, but have you, know, you been able to about, identify you know any sort of leverage in any other group company that helps you in that particular aspect so far oh yes definitely definitely but i i'm not going to go into specifics in terms of what <laughs> technology or who we work with but i mean you know there's obviously you know we have ttl we have tcs you know and we have you know a number of companies you know in our group that um you know are working you know with the same parameters and the same challenges so so you know it, right. it's it's easy to pick up the phone <laughs> <laughs> well you do have uh, you know the might of the group uh, you know going for you for sure but let me ask just as a you know at a level of principle do you see that you know when you start building more and more connected vehicles evs uh, there will be more partnerships, you know, with the external universe also, uh, you know, in these sort of niche areas where tech companies specialize uh, than you have seen in the past. I mean, is this just going to become the norm going forward? It will become the norm for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're designing now uh, digital products. In many ways, uh, it's, you know, the, there's a saying software on wheels. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and of course, yes, definitely, there will be more, more of that. Thank you so much for taking the time, Martin. Definitely very interesting conversation for me indeed. Lots of food for thought. And I hope we can keep revisiting this uh, conversation again and again. And as and when you have more to share, I'm sure there'll be lots to discuss. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. It was a very pleasant conversation and actually gave me a lot of also uh, food for thought. It's always good to reflect on these topics. Amazing. Thank you so much, Martin. You too. Thank you. So that was Martin Alaric in a very thought-provoking conversation. I hope this was a fun one for you and you took away something to think about. Certainly some really interesting thoughts from Martin for me as well. For instance, when he explains how form follows functionality with the example of an airplane. You know how planes are not really designed to be beautiful right from the outset, but they end up looking stunning because they're designed for pure function. So with that thought, it's a goodbye from me, but stay tuned to the Mint Primer. And let us know if you enjoyed this conversation and you'd like to hear more such conversations from us. Thanks very much for listening. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Smartcast.com.